So we, we were supposed to be starting, we are starting tonight, the, the Christian belief system, right? So we worked out at what the philosopher said and and the Kazari king dismissed him in short order. By the way, yesterday in Berkeley, I met another person who is getting um, just getting a regular, you know, mastering in, in philosophy, but he's very, very involved in philosophy right now. And he actually studied Kazari already. And he said, I can very much help you with um, with the philosophy part of Kazari. He said, I don't recommend teaching Kazari in Berkeley. Um, I said, no, I'm not teaching in Berkeley. And the people who I'm teaching are very excited to learn it. So he's going to help me now. He's going to explain the parts that, that we didn't understand previously. Okay, so we're on page um, 58. He called upon a Christian scholar and asked him about his religion. The Christian stated, I believe that the universe was created and that the blessed God preceded all. He created the world in six days, right? So we've already completely split from what the philosophers believe, right? That the universe has always existed. Indeed, what we're saying right now is that the prime cause, God, created the universe as well. All human beings are descendants of the first man, Adam, and they trace themselves back to him as well as to Noah after him. God supervises all of creation and is especially involved with mankind. God shows wrath to sinners and mercy to the righteous. God speaks and appears on different levels to prophets and other saintly persons. He dwells among a chosen nation of people. Right? So far, this might not sound like Christianity. It, it is Christianity, but it is obviously also Judaism. Essentially, I believe all that is written in the Torah and in the sacred books of the Jews. There can be no doubt as, there, as to their veracity. The miracles recorded therein were shown to all nations of the world. The miracles endured for extended periods, right? In other words, these miracles were not for a very limited once, you know, moment of inspiration or moment of a, a singularity. It's difficult to say it's a singularity when you have the month falling for 40 years. And revelations were made apparent to the masses and not just individuals. During the period at the very end of the Jewish nation's history, this is where he starts taking a left turn, divinity took a physical form. This form first materialized as a fetus in the womb of a virgin. She was from a family of Jewish royalty, and she later gave birth to this entity. This child was visibly human, but secretly divine. Visibly a prophet had been, who had been sent, but secretly the sent God. He is the Messiah, also known as the Son of God. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We attribute unity to his true essence, despite the fact that our terminology defines him as a trinity. Uh, just, just once again, I, I, just as I am not an expert in philosophy, I'm also not an expert in, in Christian belief. I don't understand what the Father, Son, Holy Ghost means. I don't really understand the idea of a trinity. That doesn't mean anything to me. We believe that our Savior dwelled among the children of Israel to honor them in the same way that the divinity attached to them. So he, I think what he's saying is, why was it that the Savior who was born to, to take, you know, to, to what they call it the replacement theology, right? That we're no longer the chosen nation. So why did the Savior have to be born to the Jews in the first place? Maybe the Savior, right? Why, why would the, the Christian God, why would he have to be a Jewish carpenter, right? Why can't he just be a random guy? So the reason why is because indeed, at some point, they were worthy. Remember, we are talking in the Christian belief system here. They were worthy of this. And it was honoring them the same way that the divinity was attached to them. This continued until their masses rebelled against this Messiah and crucified them. It was then that constant wrath was vented upon them and their masses, while favor was instead bestowed upon all, upon individual apostles who followed the Messiah. Afterwards, this favor was bestowed upon those nations who followed the apostles, and we are their descendants. Even though we are not descended from the children of Israel, we are more worthy 
of the title Children of Israel, where we follow the words of the Messiah. There were 12 Jewish apostles corresponding to the tribes of Israel. I did not know that, by the way. Interesting. Afterwards, a large number of Jews followed these 12 apostles, and they were like the yeast or the Christian people. We were the starter, right? So, and, and the Rambam says this as well, you know, in terms of the fact, this, this element, to be clear, that, uh, that the Jewish people were the starter for the, for the Christian belief system and for the Muslim belief system as well. Obviously, that doesn't mean to say that this was for the ultimate was to reach the Christian and Muslim belief. But the Ramam does say, as we learned in, in reverse, that, the, that as we get closer and closer to Mashiach, the idea of monotheism is going to spread throughout the world. And part of what we have done is we have spread this idea. We have become worthy of the greatness of the children of Israel, and we thus possess strength and might in all the land. All nations are called upon to join this faith. This is a critical part of replacement theology. If we are the chosen nation, the statement would go, as far as the Christians are concerned, if the Jews are indeed the chosen nation, well, why is their life so miserable? Right? Clearly, Hashem has deserted them. Their God has forsaken them. And that's why, in, in the Christian belief, the more they oppress us, the more they persecute us, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If God, God forsook them, why? Because we killed them. Right? So it obviously becomes a little bit of a, a circular logic there. All nations are called upon to join this faith. They are obligated to cleave to it, to exalt the Messiah, to elevate the wooden crucifix upon which he was crucified, and so on. Our laws and statutes emanate from the commandments of Simon the Apostle. So Simon is the original name of Peter, apparently as well as from statutes in the Torah, which we study. There is no doubt as to his veracity and his divinity. It thus states in our New Testament in the name of the Messiah, I have not come to negate any of the commandments given to the children of Israel and the prophet Moses. I have rather come to add strength and fortitude to them. Okay. So this is the end, uh, at the, begin the end of the beginning of the, of the Christian belief system that he is going to be expressing. And then we'll see the response of the Khazarian king. Before we go any further, though, just uh, if anybody's wondering, once again, I don't have a degree in comparative religion. I know almost nothing about other religions. In terms of the Christian, is he like an Eastern uh, Catholic? Is he, uh, you know, he wasn't a Protestant, right? Because that didn't exist yet, right? Uh, but what, what exactly was the nature? It wasn't, I don't know what the nature is. Is he, is he coming to, you know, purporting to present the, you know, Vatican's belief system? Is he coming to present the... Eastern uh, Greek Orthodox or anything, uh, you know, the Russian, I don't know. I don't know. But it definitely does not seem, it's definitely an I-Protestant. It doesn't seem necessarily to be the, um, the Vatican, but we'll see as we go through this uh, argument in further detail tomorrow night. Rabbi, okay. I don't yeah. understand just the last sentence that you just read. The, uh, the Christian says, I've not come to negate any of the commandments, but they, they do negate that that's that's what i wanted to comment that if you look at the history of christianity jesus himself never wrote anything he never he was observant jew he never um you know said anything against you know he was he was against the political environment at the time and the strictness of the rabbis but he he never said you know don't eat kosher and don't, you know and he never even said don't speak to i mean speak to gentiles he was only addressing Jews at the time. So if you see the history of Christianity, the one that started Christianity was uh, Paul, who never met him even. He wasn't part of the, you know, the Jews that actually uh, knew him. He never met him. He had a vision and then 
he started the whole thing, oh, you can eat pork and you can do that and all these things. So that's why, right. yes, he, he said, Jesus himself, he said, you know, we're not gonna, uh, I'm not adding anything and I'm not negating anything. It right, right. He, cer he certainly did. He certainly did not believe in anything being different. In fact, I, I think we mentioned in the past, but the tradition teaches that Paul, whose name was really Saul, right? There, there is an old an old tradition that we fast on the ninth day of Teves as well, not just the tenth day of Teves, but the ninth day of Teves. And one of the reasons given in a madrash is that basically Paul recognized. Remember, his name was really Shaul. He's really a, a great rabbi. And he sees that the Christian belief, which at that point entailed believing that Jesus was the Messiah, and that was basically it. Like, as she was saying, there was very little that was actually different. However, it's important to know something. Jesus did not believe in the Purushi method of rabbinic interpretation, i.e. he did not really believe in the validity of the Torah Shabbat, Pat, the oral Torah as we have it. Okay, So he certainly was a wicked individual. He was not a very... He was not a Jew in good standing, make no mistake. That, that's not what he was. He was not just a political concern over here. There were other concerns as well. That being said, there were many Jews who were leaving Judaism behind and starting to believe in Christianity. But at that point, it was pretty similar. So why not believe in it? It wasn't such a big deal. Just adding a little bit of, not a big deal. And it became a real danger. It posed a real threat to Judaism. And so what Paul saw, his job was to infiltrate and to act as a double agent. His job was to come and take Christianity far, far away from Judaism so as no longer to pose a threat of temptation and causing other Jewish people to leave Judaism behind. So when he comes and he says, no more do you celebrate Sabbath, you celebrate it not on the seventh day, but rather on Sunday. No longer do you celebrate Passover. Many of, as you're saying, many of the laws that he turned away from, and according to the tradition, the reason why we fasted on the ninth day, we were fasting for his soul because he himself had to do terrible, terrible things to convince everyone that he really was on their side. And therefore he asked before he goes to, to do this tremendous, tremendous mitzvah of taking Christianity far away from Judaism. He said, I, we don't want any more Jews to full pray. We want it to be open to all non-Jews. We want to take it away from the mitzvah theology where it's about doing a mitzvah. No longer so much about doing a mitzvah, right? It's about belief. It takes us very far away from Judaism very quickly. That being said, he did ask for us for the fast for him so as to help him uh, you know, to, for the repentance, for the for the sins that he had to do, even though it was for the sake of a mitzvah. Okay, so tomorrow night, Bezrat Hashem will continue on page 61. Take care. Be well. Good night.